Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Oops! The Podcast. I'm Francis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Julio Gallarati. Hey, guys. Julio, thanks for joining us. Dude. Today and forever forward. Yes, this is fantastic. This is my co-host, everybody. I'm so excited to introduce you to him. Those of you who know me, maybe don't know Julio. And hopefully there's some people out there who know Julio who don't know me. Also a good scenario. Yeah, pretty cool. This is a podcast that is about mistakes. Podcast about fuck-ups, about errors, about the sorts of things that have cost people their careers, their marriages, their health care. In some cases, all three. Right? right, those are that, hitting for the cycle. Hey, and there's no looking back. That's right. Only looking forward. Yeah, we all make <laughs> mistakes. Everybody fucks up from time to time. Sometimes people fuck up more often than others. I think this is a good topic for me. Uh, I learned a lot from my recent fuck up. I've talked about it on almost every podcast in America, <laughs> and yet, and yet we can we can offer more. We, we can, can offer more here. This so. is the inside scoop. Yes. To Francis's past, mm. his feelings on his past and his future. That's right. As well yeah. as mine. Everything I learned. And yeah. uh, I guess we can dive right in. We're going to be doing this podcast at least once a week uh, for now to start and uh, pot- potentially adding more, uh, depending on if you guys like it or not. But of course, we ask you to like, share, subscribe, review. We need all the help we can get. I certainly need help. Uh, right now, I've spent so much money on building this fucking podcast studio, and I don't have income. So, hoping you guys can help us out. It's coming together. Yeah. How are you financially? I'm all right. Yeah. You know what I mean, I like. I just so, dude. I just did a a commercial. Oh. And uh, when we were shooting it, like they didn't shoot my close ups when we were shooting the commercial. So I immediately was like, fuck, I'm going to get cut out of this commercial. Oh, This is going to suck. It's happened to me consecutive times. The commercial just aired. I'm in it for like a second and a half. Full payday. That's all you need. That's all you need. So we'll see. Hopefully financially things will be going well. I don't know how well the commercial is going to do. but Wow. Isn't that amazing? You can be in a commercial for one and a half seconds and you're considered a principal, right? Right. As long as you were cast as a principal. You this get full pay. You get paid in full. I was in a commercial for uh, for Humura, and it was like a back pain arthritis commercial. <laughs> and uh, there were like 20 principals in the oh, commercial. Wow. And only one guy had any lines at all. Wow. And he was the groom in a wedding. And he was this sort of impish, diminutive, like measly type little weak dude with like a jew fro with bad with a bad back yeah yes yeah he had back pain and then the rest of us it was his wedding and he was marrying our sister 
and it, we were his fa- the, the girl's family. Gotcha. So we were welcoming our brother-in-law into the family, and we kept hugging him and lifting him up. And, and you guys of, were more f- like we were very strong. angry and and forceful and passionate about <laughs> welcoming him in. And at one point, I had him over my shoulders, and I was squatting him. <laughs> I mean, I was beating the shit out of this poor little guy, oh and he was God. wincing. And this took six hours. It was six hours of this. That's funny. And uh, and and we all got paid the same. Even that, we all got paid the same as that as that principal guy. That's great. I love yeah. that that like that subliminal message too. It's like, are you a pussy compared to your brothers in law? Right, right. And there was there was also some some underlying kind of uh, text of like, well, we were supposed to be like the CrossFit family that um you know he was marrying and we were i was cast because of how i look right you know it was a very like aryan survivors of the breeding pool of like a nazi youth academy (laughs) and then marrying bringing in this guy and then and we were it was kind of offensive i don't know not to me that's great. You guys yeah. are the Von Trapps. That's right. I love the Von Trapp family. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you watch that movie reference. growing up? Yeah. I find that that movie, The Sound of Music, is a movie that like many masculine baby boomers still really enjoy. Like, oh, yeah. I've noticed that like older men who like aren't that accepting of of like different genders and sexualities, they love The Sound of Music. Interesting. Wow. That's fun. I <laughs> I don't know if that's like just my experience. And I actually texted a friend the other day asking if it was just my experience. And he's like, Julio, I have not yet experienced this. Mm. <laughs> so maybe it's just my personal circles. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Let when, us I, know. when I find myself in the, uh, the darts league at my Elks Lodge club, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard us bring up, you know, the sound of on the hill was a lonely goat. Uh, <laughs> but we should try. It'd be fun to see. Um, anyway, mistakes, you know, we've got, we got tons of mistakes to cover today. Uh, I guess we can start off with obviously my recent mistake. Yeah, dude. How did you end up in this purple chair? In this purple chair? Yes. Well, we found them on Amazon. That was a nice little treat. I meant in the bigger picture. They were, they were prime (laughs) eligible. Right. Two day shipping. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was working at Barstool Sports as all of you know, and I wrote a blog on a Friday morning about a young lady whose name was Mackenzie Lewick, and she was missing. And I think it's important to note that she was like 20 or 21. She wasn't 12, you know? I think 12, it, to me, the rules of writing about missing girls yes. follow the same rules as sexual age of consent. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. Because if it's like a 12-year-old girl and you write about her, everyone's be like, you're a monster. A statutory editorial. Yeah. But if it's like, <laughs> after that, you're, eh. Anyway, you're clearly not <laughs> safe because I got fired. That's a groundbreaking analysis. Yeah. That's yeah. That's really true. The parallels. Right. Which also brings to mind, anyway, we'll get into the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. But, uh, you know, 16 to 18 versus like 12 to 14. Um, really different situation big difference yeah as well as 21 which is the subject here right 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 so so Mackenzie Lewick uh a fully grown woman um she was missing and I wrote about this story it was a big story in the news uh a lot of the headlines and a lot of the the news outlets that were covering it like the New York Post you know sort of your 
I guess lower hanging fruit, the kind of stuff that you'd find in a in the grocery aisle, the checkout <laughs> aisle. Those magazines and publications were highlighting the fact that she was often on these sugar daddy dating websites, seeking arrangement arrangements being the big one. Right. And uh given how many outlets had said that, I assumed she was on a yacht somewhere with an older gentleman, maybe a Greek guy, right. eating olives with a toothpick and sounds, cuddling sounds up nice. to the rocking of the Mediterranean Sea. Right. And as it turns out, I was dead wrong. <laughs> I got it wrong. She was not alive, uh, nor <laughs> on a boat. Um, in fact, <laughs> she was uh, underground. She had been murdered and buried. And uh, it's pretty fucked up situation and all of that really came to light a couple hours after i published the blog so then it was sort of a snowball effect um my boss got mad at me the attack pieces started reaching out for comment the dead spins the daily mails of the world uh even the washington post decided that it it would be good to write about me um some were more fair than others i think the washington post was pretty fair even Deadspin was fine, but the Daily Mail right. really, I don't know, I don't know what happened over there that they came up with what they came up with. They said that I slut shamed a dead girl. Oh, God. I slut shamed a murdered girl, which wasn't the case. First of all, I don't slut shame. If you're a slut, all power to you. Honestly, I, I, who cares? Right. Yeah, we're adults. In right. this day and age of sexual liberation, we're adults. Do I think, think women should be having as much sex as they want. Who who cares? Um, until you get to a certain point where you're like actually accepting money for it, and then it's prostitution, and that's illegal. But I still don't frown upon that. Hey, the oldest profession in the world, pal. That's what they say. Although I wonder if like blacksmiths started before blacksmiths are upset Weren't, about that wasn't there a need for swords before there was a need for like uh non-committed sex that's a great question i don't know or or like i don't know i mean if you think about the cavemen and when they started actually uh delineating tasks right but, people, what, but the question is does it matter whether or not it can be classified as a commercial business like right. were blacksmiths actually selling their stuff or were they doing it for the king and not being paid? And like, I mean, mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answers to these questions. Yeah. Well, farming, I mean, how is farming not the oldest profession in the world? But again, I feel like if you, if you're doing it specifically to feed your people and you're not making money off of it from like a commerce, uh -huh. is it again? I don't know why all of a sudden I feel I'm a scholar on this. Well, topic. let's think about it. Right. Because in theory you had your your mangoes that you were picking out in the field as a caveman and you would bring them back and maybe you would trade those for something. Right. Barter, a barter situation. Yeah. And right. I think once the trade comes into play, then it is a profession. Right. Now the problem is it is possible they were trading those mangoes for poontang <laughs> with whores <laughs> in the cave. And then it's a question of which came first, the mangoes, or the... The Poontang. The Poontang. Which, by the way, Poontang sounds like a drink that would be made with mangoes. Oh! So, just, it sure does. just throwing that out there. With a little umbrella on top. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Yeah. Tropical Poontang. A drink that I would accidentally order the first time meeting a girlfriend's parents. Ah! Uh. Like, oh, that one looks good. Not realizing the glass it's going to come in. Curacao? What is that? <laughs> well, I'll have that. 
Wait, let me, so back to what we're talking about, let me mm. ask you a question. Sure. So what was the reasoning that you felt that, because you've expressed to me before that it appeared that maybe the girl was fine. And I know you said you thought maybe she was on a yacht somewhere, but what led you to believe that there was a high likelihood that she was okay? Well, I had also, I had done a tiny minuscule bit of uh, covering my bases, which was that I looked back and Googled uh, like Mackenzie Lewick, you know, case. And instead of reading any of the articles that popped up, I just saw the headlines from Google, like from the top three articles, one of which said, uh, Mackenzie Lewick, no foul play is suspected at this time. Gotcha. And that was, for me, the green light that said, you know, she's fine. Uh, she's run off of her own accord. Um, and, and nobody is, nobody's really looking that hard because she's, they think she's, she's going to come back. Right. And I, unfortunately that, that was, that was not enough. You know, that was from an article three days earlier. And I think what ended up happening was I published the blog with a bunch of jokes in it about, you know, how she was fine. She was on a yacht somewhere. She was going to come back and do a reunion tour, uh, hopefully wearing some of the merchandise from the podcast at Barstool that she was a fan of. Gotcha. Which was another connecting piece where totally. I was like, this blog has relevance to our audience. Right. Perfect. Um, Seems like a layup. Yeah. And uh, what happened was like a couple, like 20 minutes after I published the blog, the news updates were that they had found a murder suspect. And that was when I saw started thinking, oh boy, this this doesn't look good. And I went back into the blog, I took out a bunch of the jokes and made it a little more serious. Oh. And I wrote, uh, you know, instead I said, earlier they said she, no foul play was suspected, but now they've got a suspect and it's looking a little bit worse. And I turned it more into like a an investigative piece. Did you consider pulling it all together? Well, I thought at the time it, to pull it would have been worse because it would draw attention. You know, at Barstow, we used to like stand by our work and, I, oh, gotcha. and, and having the blog, having a blog taken down, just uh, not very Barstool of you. It, it was like, you got to own it. You know, there was definitely a thought that you had to own, even if it was a mistake. And Unfortunately, uh, it was very clear that like the dead spins and the whatnots, the moment the blog went up, they took screenshots of it. And and it's possible, by the way, that they do that with every single piece of content that Barcel puts up. Right. Because they had it instantly. They had all the text. They had all the versions. The moment. Oh, I, wow. And even, it was, the, even the one before you changed it. Yes. Yeah. And that was only up for a few minutes. Wow. So I don't know. It was kind of spooky. In a way. And then, you know, one thing led to another. A couple hours after that, they they had found her. I think I took it down well before they found her, the actual blog. But, you know, then the Washington Post reached out, Daily Mail. They wrote their pieces. I was fired later that night by my boss while I was on the train to meet my girlfriend's parents for the first time. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Wow. That was not fun. So did you tell your girlfriend's I mean, New parents Jersey what happened? Transit, you know, it's just not clean. <laughs> <laughs> and why was I riding a train? 
Wait, so did you tell them what happened? Yeah, I had to. I walked in and I was late for dinner and they were all sitting down and it wasn't just the parents. It was uh, the uh, my mom, my grandma, excuse me. <laughs> my girlfriend has a stepfather who is married to her mom and her stepfather has two daughters who are younger. Okay. So there was like a 17 year old and a 20 year old half sisters were there and then the grandparents were there and then it's just some like random friends of the family so it was like a dinner for 10 people oh, wow. that i walked into they're all sitting down you're the guest of honor at that dinner oh the guest of dishonor more like <laughs> you know you see what i'm saying showing up late and unemployed <laughs> yeah yeah and i walked in and they were like how are you i had texted my girlfriend i was like hey just so you know I got, I just got fired and she was like, Oh my God, what happened? And I was like, it's a long story. I'll tell you at dinner. And she was like, well, we're having a group dinner. So I walked in oh my God. <laughs> and I hadn't really figured out how to deliver the story. And I was also shell shocked, right? Because not only did I get fired, but now all of a sudden every news outlet in America seemed to be writing about me in a very negative way. Um, I had just gotten off the phone with my parents. I'd only had the chance to talk to my, like my agent and my manager and and the the public the publicist department, the HR department, excuse me, the PR department at uh, William Morris, to put my statement together, which I crafted on my phone in the Uber from the train station to my girlfriend's parents' house. And so all of this happened so fast, and I was just like improvising on the fly, trying to do damage control in the worst. With the worst tools possible. Right. Because I get car sick in Ubers too. Oh, so you're just looking down. I'm looking down and then opening the window and trying not to puke. And then being like, dude, is there any chance you can lower the air freshener? Because, you know, it (laughs) smells so strong and sickly sweet. Uh, And I know I'm driving into a hornet's nest kind of of like, uh, I have to walk on glass and deliver this whole tale in a somewhat redeeming way. So I meet my girlfriend's parents. Her stepdad is a pilot. He plays it by the book. The guy does not does not ever step out of line. Right. Um, so I'm telling this story, and I'm like, yeah, I wrote this, you know, I wrote this blog about this girl. I kind of made some jokes, and it turned out that she'd been murdered. And they're just sitting there like, huh. So you, you said you went to Harvard? Really? Is that, oh my God. Is that really where you went to school? Uh, so anyway, they were actually pretty accepting and, and cool. (laughs) And, uh, they let us stay in a pretty nice bedroom in the house, which was cool. Um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it was a tough weekend. I didn't, I couldn't eat anything. I was all fucked up. Jesus. I've I've lost, uh, like 12 pounds by the way, since I got fired. Are you serious? Yeah. People were worried about me. They're seeing pictures. Are you serious? Yeah. They think I look like a, a POW or something. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just couldn't eat. I couldn't eat for a few days. And, I'm sure, yeah. And then I just like, I was all whacked out. I didn't see you until you had like accepted what had happened. Did you see me after I got back from France? Yes. Yeah, okay. So you were like fine. By that point, I was pretty recovered, yeah. And then, you know what? That vacation, even though I know that you were posting about how like it was ill-timed because now you don't have a job, blah, blah, blah. But that's a good thing to happen after something really shitty happens. Yes. For everything. You get in the way, you get a little clarity. In in some ways, I agree. I also think that <laughs> given how much we had spent on the vacation, by that I mean I had spent on the vacation, uh, it was a bummer for the vacation because I couldn't really enjoy it. Right. I was constantly 
looking over my shoulder to America to see what was bubbling back there in terms of the destruction of my reputation. Right. And how did your agents and managers, like, were they telling you to calm down? Like, what? how did that all go? They were very cool. They assured me that they were going to be with me, you know, regardless of where my career went. Um, my manager was actually pretty excited because one of the hard things for him while I was working at Barcel was that he couldn't submit me for other work. Right. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't go out for parts in, in TV shows or for side writing jobs or commercials, any of that stuff. Uh, so it was hard for him to even do his job with me. Right. So he was kind of excited in a way to now have the ability to, to, to really put me to work. Um, my manage my my agent was a little more nonplussed because I think one he was my touring agent and one of the big draws was of course being able to market me as uh, an employee of Barcel Sports. Right. So with that gone, it was hard to know if I was going to retain my audience and, and ability to draw. And we'll see. We'll see. I'm at Bananas Comedy Club in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey this weekend, August 2nd and 3rd. Come out. Three shows, one Friday, two Saturday. Go to FrancisEllis.com slash shows for tickets. <laughs> that was nice. Dude, so have you worked at that club before? No. The owners are this like very nice older couple. Cool. And uh, yeah, if you get too deep into combo with them before you go on stage, they'll be like, try to do a clean set. Without even like saying anything, you maybe or maybe not, you probably don't have to listen to that. But then afterward, also be prepared for feedback. They'll tell you they didn't like it, that you weren't clean. They'll, they'll, if they have a problem with your set. I remember one time the woman said to me, I forget her name. She's love. She's lovely. Ultimately. She was like, if you say like less often, you'll see how big of pop some of your jokes get. And I kind of thought to myself, she's probably right about that. That's an interesting note. I don't mind that. Note. I don't mind that note either. I don't mind that note, but if someone tells me I need to work more clean, I don't like that note. <laughs> I think it's that place that's claim to fame is that Jimmy Fallon's first live performance was at that club. Huh. I believe. Bananas, Hasbrook Heights. Good for him. He's doing well. He's doing very well. He's a member of uh, the golf course that I belong to. What is this golf course again? It's called Bayonne in New Jersey. Nice. Everything in the town except the golf course is horrible. Yeah, it's kind of like a post-industrial situation. You right? have to drive through piles of hypodermic needles to get really? there. Yeah. Jesus. And the roads aren't paved. It's bad. But <laughs> then you emerge into this little gated driveway that has a guy, a guard, you know, who comes to the, who, who are you? And you're like, hey, it's me. And then he <laughs> lets you up. That's lovely. Usually I take the boat. There's a boat. Right. Yeah, which is nice. But Jimmy Fallon, I, speaking of mistakes, his locker was right next to mine. We don't have locks on our lockers because it's a, a country club, so people don't steal because everyone has enough. And uh, <laughs> one day I didn't have a, a fresh pair of socks. So I thought to myself, who, who really wouldn't miss a pair of socks Jimmy Fallon. So he he has plenty of golf balls. I don't think he plays there very often. He also belongs to another club, which I think he goes to more. You know what he used to do is that he had a playing partner at our course. And do you know who it was? <laughs> Mario Batali. Wow. They're very, hilarious. very good friends. That's great. And of course, <laughs> Mario Batali got in big trouble. All right. You got me too. Oh, yeah. The pasta has he, chef. Has he lived that down? God, no. 
But doesn't he own Italy and stuff? Dude, he sold his stake in uh, Babo, his restaurant oh, yeah. in the West Village. Wow. Uh, I don't know if he still owns Italy, but the like investors bought out a lot of his stakes in these restaurants because they didn't want his grimy diddling hands attached. Wow. And now pans. he's doing what, like we said earlier, our friend Matt Lauer yes. is up to just playing golf. Playing golf. I think <laughs> he's gone into hiding, you know, and right. that's, and that's the thing is that a lot of these guys had to kind of go into hiding. Right. So how, how is it that some of these people can do damage control and other people cannot? Well, that's the big question I think for the podcast, right? Is how do you handle your mistakes? Sometimes it's better to immediately get in front of it and come out and be apologetic and try to get back to work and hope that the broader world forgives you. And sometimes you've got to give it more time. I think a lot of it depends on the, the nature of the mistake. Yeah. And also just there's so many factors. And ultimately, I feel that the way that a person is treated afterward sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Based, like you said, on the severity of what they did, but also just how they've conducted themselves up until that point. If somebody's just like not a likable person, it's going to be much harder for them to bounce back from something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah. You're never in good shape. If you get a, a huge story comes out about you being a bad dude and then everyone's like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Totally. Like you I know? think a guy like Guy Fieri might have trouble bouncing back from a big me too. Really? Situation. Is he known as, are there I think people just don't him? like him? What? You love Guy Fieri? I, I don't, don't. I, I don't feel no either opinion. way. I have no same, opinion same. at all about Guy Fieri. But I also didn't think... I thought people liked him a lot. I don't know. I'm sure... I mean, people... Some people must like him just because he he's a million... he's wildly popular. I feel like he's also wildly unpopular. Am really? I, am I completely wrong about this? I might be completely missing it. And maybe his big fans would overcome his hate also. Well, hold on a second. Is he unpopular because people don't like the nature and quality of his show? Or is he unpopular because it's known in the industry that he's like a dick behind the scenes? I think it's I think it's neither. I think it's just he seems like a like a douche. Huh. <laughs> but what but but that's not like substantial enough, maybe. Like if, if people are like, oh, he's actually a really good guy, that could overcome if that became the thing that was known, that could overcome him seeming like a dick. Right. Right. So maybe it is more than that. It's more that like when you hear that someone's a dick behind the scenes in the industry, like you said, then it's much harder because because also the people that might come to your defense and be like, actually, he's a great guy. He's a friend. They're not going to do that. They're happy to see you move on. They are. Uh Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium. And you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like with with Louie, um, so many no, nobody really spoke up in his defense. Now, granted, what he did was kind of like tough to How do you defend it? It's tough to be like, you know, yeah, I know he jerked off in front of women, 
but he also used to mow my lawn without ever asking for five dollars you know what right, i mean right, like right. you know he wasn't known so and that's the thing i know and i'd heard about that story i mean years ago i remember like in the comedy community that was kind of like you being people whispered knew. people were talking about that um and i kind of was just like what a, like that's crazy sounding but i guess like i don't know i'm not gonna put too much worth into it right granted it obviously came out blah 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 whatever i will say this i feel guilty even saying anything bad about him yeah. For a bunch of reasons. A, he's just like such a great comedian. That's not, I'm not saying this is correct, but also like a lot of the people that I know who have worked with him and opened for him, they've all been like, he's such a lovely guy. I get that what he did was not okay, but it's very conflicting for me. Sure. Cause I'm wondering, I'm like, does he deserve to come back? Does he not? And he's tried to like sort of come back a little bit and people are not down. Are they not? It's been really divisive. And now it's becoming this thing where people are talking about how he represents the alt-right comedy movement, oh. which I didn't even know was a thing. I guess it is. Uh, hmm. So it's it's still a very hot topic in my mind. Damn, bro. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't realize that he's now considered part of the alt-right comedy movement. Is that even a thing? Well, I guess it's an, it's weird. Comedy is, set, you know, compartmentalized definitely in a way. You've got like super mainstream, uh, universally popular comedians like Jim Gaffigan, even, you know, Kevin Hart. Um, but then you've got more niche people like Anthony Jeselnik, you know, he'll never get a late night set and yet he's super popular, but with whom, with people that really appreciate dark, extremely edgy humor. Right. That's more of like a, you're, you know about him if you're a big comedy fan. Yeah. He's not in that mainstream. I see what you're saying. Right. But then, you know, I know Louis came back and did Skankfest, yeah. the Legion of Skanks, Louis J. Gomez's right. festival. And he walked in and he got a standing ovation for like three minutes Right, when he is, came on stage. Yeah. It was amazing. like the whole place almost just like came down and performed, destroyed, and was like the highlight of the whole thing. So that audience, which admittedly is, is fans of Legion of Skanks, fans right. of the guys who really pushed the envelope, right. uh, were very welcoming to him. But I don't know that Louis needs to just adhere to that because when he was at the top of his game he was a Man. universally totally beloved comedian selling out madison square garden constantly and him being at Skankfest caused like a big like murmur in the community really yeah there are people posting about it being like really pissed off like comedians who are like pretty well known in my mind too and i was like kind of surprised mm -hmm. and it seemed like a really intense situation. Right. You know what I mean? Like the idea of him performing doesn't necessarily upset me. I understand why it could upset people though. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're wrong. And I, I, you know, I'm struggling to find where I stand on it in a way because mm. it's such a complicated issue. Right. Yeah. Well, so it's it, taken him a while, even though he is considered a good guy. Do you think he will, do you think he will get back to being as big as he was? I don't know. It's seeming like it might be tough, but I, I really don't know. How much time would it take? That's the thing. I don't know. I like, can people, can these people who are so angry about it, who appear to like represent a large portion of the people who are involved in it, as far as like who's knows who's performing in comedy and blah, blah, blah. Can they ever let it go? Should they ever let it go? Right. I don't know the answers to these things. So, 
Louis is a great example, right? Because that's such a divisive issue. Uh, some people say he didn't do anything wrong. You know, he asked permission to jerk off in front of these women. Uh, other people say, well, that's neither here nor there because the women that he was doing this in front of didn't have the ability to say no because they worked under him. Right. So it was like a power play. Totally, and, which is know, not okay. Right. It's your classic me too. Yeah. Um, so then you got a guy like Matt Lauer who the enduring point that everyone remembers from that story was that he uh, had that button on his desk that locked his office door from the inside. That's so crazy. Which is, it's like S&M dungeon type shit. Right. The wrong 50 shades of gray. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like 51 shades. Completely of, inexcusable. Of not appropriate. And it's, when you have something like that, that makes it seem like you are an evil dude. And I think there is, people have a lot harder time forgiving evil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like Louie had a weird fetish. Right. And yet he was oddly polite about it. It's, yeah, it, I know, I know. It didn't seem that sinister. Right. There was that story of him like pushing a woman up against a wall, but I don't remember that getting as much traction. Right. The overarching story was he jerked off while women watched from like across the room in and a comfortable couch. Sort of in a way where even if they tried to like sprint out, maybe he was kind of in the way of the door. Right. He's also an imposing figure. He's a big guy. Louis does not help his case. You're saying Louis did do bad things. Yeah. To me, to me, Louis' situation is so much more passive than I agree with that. Than, I, than yeah. Matt Lauer. Totally. It's like there's something vulnerable and like sad about it. <laughs> I, you know I certainly I mean? don't pity him. I don't either. But just the whole situation, like, yeah. The, the, for me, it's that the women involved in Louis' situation were not uh, were not help as helpless, right? If you've got a lock button on your door, you're basically imprisoning people. I mean, you're right. He technically was in front of the door. Like he was the function Louis of the button. Was? Okay. Then. I don't know that he was like, I don't know the specifics as far as was he literally guarding it on purpose or was he just standing in front of it? Right. Huh? So I don't know. Okay. Well, we'd have to read up more on the details, I guess. Right. But, but I think for me, like the point is Matt Lauer, you know, certainly used his power and influence to have sexual relations with women and he did it in a way that seemed very sinister, right? Right. And I think because of that, if I had to guess, it would be far easier for Louis C.K. to come back than Matt Lauer. Because I know they're both trying to. Agreed. And not only that, but like Louis a comedian. See, but here's, here's another problem, right? Which is that when Louis came back and he did that school shooting joke, that someone recorded at Governor's in, in Long Island and then released and everyone got mad at him. Oh, right. It was like people were saying, well, he shouldn't be able to do jokes like that. Right, but that's what he does. That's who he is. I know, I know. If you're going to welcome him back at all, you have to welcome him back to, to, be, to become again who he was. Right. With the tone that he likes. Because that's what makes him a great comic. Right. You can't just fucking uh, cut his balls off and then be like, now you can come back and talk about, you know, right. airplane seatbelts and shit. 
Yeah, no, you're right. And it's like when you are perpetrating things on other people, it's much more difficult to come back than like a Marv Albert right. situation. If you're just like doing embarrassing, weird shit, like you can bounce back from that. Right. What did Marv Albert, Albert do again? Something involving him wearing lingerie. That's right. I did remember that. Maybe with prostitutes. Yeah, but see, again, nobody remember. gives a shit. Uh, Hugh Grant was a guy who had... Uh, was that was bad. To... That was adultery. I saw Hugh Grant the other night. You know, I, No one says a word about that. About Hugh Grant? He was at Wimbledon. No one said a word. I see him out. I see him he's with Elizabeth Hurley. Who the saw, fuck did you see him? I saw him in, at the Lowell Hotel in Midtown twice in like a two-week period. No way. Yeah. Huh. Everybody loves Hugh Grant. Everybody still, you know. Because of the work he did. <laughs> the movies he did, you know? He It took him a while to bounce back. It was all fucking rom-coms. Notting Hill, uh, right. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, What's the Christmas one? Oh, yeah, Love Actually. Love Actually I mean, he was a fucking, he's, he's never played a villain. He couldn't be a villain. He's never even played somebody. He's always the guy we feel bad for, and we want to get the girl. Right. And therefore... Prostitution, nobody really cares as much. Tiger Woods, another thing, right? Now, granted, that happened, what, 2008, 2009? 15, 16 women, adultery. I think it's far easier for, to forgive adultery than it is to forgive sexual, unwanted sexual harassment, assault, of right. course. Definitely. Consensual adultery, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's totally... But then, so after, in the aftermath of these mistakes, like, and f even for you, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do? You just are like, well, fuck it. Throw a pair of shorts on. Yeah. You got to come out wearing shorts. I think people forget that it, it, anyone wearing pants after a mistake is, is, is trying to hide stuff. And the best shorts to wear <laughs> in the wake of an incident like this are absolutely bird dogs. Bird no dog question. shorts. These shorts are unbelievably comfortable. They've got uh, great pockets, like the kind of pockets that are deep enough in a pair of athletic shorts where if you're riding a bicycle with your keys in them, you're not worried that they're going to end up 16 blocks behind you. It really does make a huge difference, too. Yeah. It's deep enough that you're never check, double-checking. You're not worried. Right. And, Julio, you were a tennis player in college. Totally. You still play tennis. Still play. You teach tennis sometimes to divorced women who you then have sex with. <laughs> not quite. No. No, well, that's no. what's the point then? I, well, I used to do. I used to teach. I had. I didn't have as many of those kind of encounters as you might think I would. Mm. But there were some weird ones. Some. This one lady used to send me a bunch of clothes for Christmas, and uh, I would return them and use the store credit to buy my family gifts. Did she ever send you bird dogs? She did not. No, because you wouldn't have returned. But those. she should have. Yeah, and that's the other thing that's like nice about bird dogs is that you don't have to wear underwear. That's right. You actually don't either. Because some they, of those shorts, they're, they're designed so that you don't have to. But these, you really don't have to wear them. They have a built-in liner that really just makes underwear obsolete. And I think, you know, the big thing to realize here is they're the most comfortable athletic shorts that I've ever worn. But they're also versatile in the sense where, like, you can run around playing whatever game in the backyard at your summer day party while you're drinking or doing mm -hmm. whatever. Build up a little bit of a sweat and then seamlessly transition in the same shorts to hanging out for the rest of your night. That's exactly right. They function as a casual wear as well. This is a mistake. This is an oops that I made. Uh, I was actually at a cookout, a barbecue party, and there was a pool. And I came out and thought, oh, great. I can jump in the pool. No problem. Not going to offend anyone. <laughs> and I ran into the pool. And when I came out of the pool, everyone started pointing and shrieking because I was naked. <laughs> 
<laughs> the shorts are so comfortable that it feels like you're walking around naked. And I thought when I went in the pool, I was wearing my bird dogs and I was wrong. This so, is, you know, you got to be careful. Fortunately, there were no children there. Uh, you can wear them in the water. They dry faster than a bathing suit. It's, it's, it's the most amazing material ever. Um, and I absolutely love my bird dogs. Highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, go to birddogs.com, enter promo code FIRED, and they'll throw in a pair of nunchucks. Yep, you heard that right. Nunchucks. Be a ninja. They'll give you an actual weapon along with your pair of bird dogs. That's birddogs.com, promo code FIRED, and boom, a free pair of nunchucks with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. Yeah, you could probably fit the nunchucks in the pocket too. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Love it. Well, Julio, this is our first podcast, and we are using the most expensive elite equipment to record it. Yeah. We spent, and by that I mean I you. spent, uh, upwards of about $14,000 on camera equipment, microphones, lighting, all this kind of stuff. And basically, I spent all the money before I even had any idea if this podcast would be liked or if people would listen to it, you know? What a dumb idea. That's not how that's supposed to go. Have you, have you ever heard of the idea of the lean startup? Uh, is that just where you don't spend money? Yeah, it's like you're supposed to not outspend the growth of the company. You're supposed to start small and then like we went the opposite direction. I, my thought was the podcast won't be successful unless we have the most expensive shit. So uh, it's going to take a long way. It's going to take a long time to climb out of this hole financially <laughs> um and the funny part was i know that i unlocked a lot of like credit card points by spending as much money as i did um but i don't want to put those towards the the camera debt right i want to buy a nice flight to the turks and caicos next well now winter. you're gonna get one for free yeah with the points that you've accrued uh-huh that's right lots of <laughs> points so many points from buying the nice cameras Look at that. We've got three cameras. we got the, the wide camera there in the middle. There I am. That's me. And then Julio has got his own camera over there. Has your face been hidden by the microphone? I hope not. No. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, that's the reverse order. You're not really supposed to spend all the money on the gear before the podcast uh, has even begun. You're supposed <laughs> to grow the podcast and then think, well, we've done so well. We deserve nice things now. Well, that's one way to think about it. Yeah. This I'm, is all this is all you on you. you uh -huh. know I mean, this is great for me. I'm like the guy who <laughs> decides that he's going to take up uh tennis, right? And then builds himself a tennis court. Right. Instead of just buying a shitty racket from his buddy who doesn't play anymore. <laughs> yeah, but you don't really know how to play yeah, yet. Right. I'm like the guy who um take decides, oh, I'm going to learn French. So instead of buying Rosetta Stone French, I bought a villa in Provence. <laughs> you said that nicely. I did. Yeah. That's funny, too. Man, we were in France, my girlfriend and me, and um, I speak French and she doesn't. And it drove me fucking crazy because she <laughs> would try to pronounce things on the French menu and she would say them so wrong. Like she says crepe. Uh, you know, and it's crepe. Right. And uh, I don't like the way she says crepe for two reasons. One, it sounds a lot like rape and I'm not a fan. <laughs> and two, she went to uh, Penn State, you know, which uh. makes me just think that she's stupid because it's not a very good school. <laughs> and I'm also not sure if you're aware they had a really bad crepe scandal <laughs> recently. So um, 
try to try to keep her away from saying crepe. It's crepe, everybody. Also, like uh, croissant, not croissant. Does she um, say croissant? She says she gets. She thinks that I'm being hoity-toity when I say croissant. By not saying R, she says kind of a croissant. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, she yeah. just Americanizes everything, and it makes me think that she's not culturally sensitive. That's a fair assessment. I'm never taking her to a foreign country again, <laughs> unless I'm dropping her off for some sex trafficking people. Heard that's a very lucrative. Little side gig. Listen, you could recoup these losses real yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, I'll girlfriend. be like Liam Neeson retired. You know what I mean? Like they'll take her and then I'll just be like, uh, I'm not going to find you. <laughs> they paid him enough to join the other side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> drop her off at some shitty airport in Ibiza. Man, that pisses me off too. I was there and everyone says Ibiza. Right. Like they have a speech impediment. Yeah. Americans don't need to say that. Just say Ibiza. Which is, it somehow completely contradicts what you just said, but also doesn't at all. And I completely agree. Fuck, you're Croissant right. Croissant and Ibiza, both fully things we should be endorsing. Right. Don't be in New York City talking about how you were in Ibiza. Right. I, don't I will like Ibiza that. your fucking ass. Unless you actually have a speech <laughs> impediment, in which case we'll make fun of you for it. Because <laughs> those people need to learn. That's fucked up. They need to learn. Mm. Imagine you just say Ibiza out of because there's no other way you because can possibly you have a list. say it. And people get really, really <laughs> mad at you. They think you're obnoxious. But or, you're just... yeah, if you were like at a fancy dinner party where they had hors d'oeuvres, right? Instead of uh, appetizers, because everyone's talking about that, they Frenchify everything. And, uh, and you went up and you said Ibiza, and then everyone started getting mad at you. But then you committed to having a speech impediment to make everyone feel bad. That's something I would do. Right. You have to. Do you know you, what I'm you sense that you're like, oh, Ibiza. And you're like, I can't say it any other way. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> what are you? Are, why are you making fun of me? I feel like how I pronounce things. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Uh, oh let me gosh. get you a bacon wrapped scallop. I don't. <laughs> also funny that Ibiza is the first thing you're saying that that shows your speech impediment. Like what terrible luck for you. Oh man, that's good stuff. <laughs> Julia, you seem like somebody who's pitched a perfect game your whole life. <laughs> Very handsome gentleman. Have you ever had a, a major mistake that you learned something from that you had to come back from? I've definitely made like big mistakes. Net like never. I mean, this is the thing. Like I haven't made one that was just that in the public eye. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and every level and every, of course, like anybody, like we all do, we all fuck up and make mistakes. Like I have some that are more significant that I remember. And also some that are just like happened recently that I really wish I had not done. Oh, good. Let's dive into the recent ones. This is a good one. This is like one having to do with, you know, ex-girlfriends and whatever. And right. you know what I mean? So I had an ex-girlfriend that it was kind of like a tumultuous situation. We broke up, blah, blah, blah. Time goes on. And now we're cool. Like, we're fine. You know, I saw her and her current boyfriend at a party not too long ago. What's he like? He's a nice, you know, he's whatever. He's a nice Is enough he guy. strong? What's that? Is he strong? Physically strong? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you guess. Could you take him? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. If you were I, wearing some bird dogs, maybe. If I was wearing some bird dogs, maybe if I had my nunchucks. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, I don't know. Keep going. Yeah. I don't intend on ever fighting this guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I have nothing against him. Um, and we all hung out and it was great. Mm -hmm. So a couple weeks ago, she calls me out of the blue and I answer. And I had been texting her the night before because I, this is actually funny. At one of my shows, one of her exes was in the crowd 
And I was talking about her in one of my jokes, and I was, and then I referenced how she would talk about how this guy had a gigantic penis. Oh, and he just happened to be in the front row of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she used to kind of like make me insecure by talking about how you have just a gigantic. And you said you said that to I him. I said that to him in the middle of the show, and I talked about it for like a few minutes. Wow. It was great. And then that's afterwards, great. people were like, "Wait, that actually is true." True. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's true." Mm-hmm. This guy. And he loved it, you know, whatever. We're bonding over it. So I text her about it. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. She's like, oh, my God, what, what? Because we're in that, like, friend zone situation right now. Mm-hmm. She's dating someone. I'm dating someone. I'm very happy in the situation, whatever. Next day, she calls me sobbing at, like, 9 p.m., sobbing. I'm freaking out. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to pull over. Uh, I don't know I'm da-. And I'm like, all right, relax. What happened? She's talking about how her mom and her boyfriend or kind of like whatever. You know, it was just like a classic like panic attack situation. Mm. Then she kind of starts talking about some other shit. And I was like, listen. And in my mind, I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. And I was mm. like, you need to just chill. Take that and apply it to every part of your life. Dial it back 20, 30%. Mm-hmm. And I think you should be good. Don't worry. Go home. You're fine. And she's like, thank you. I'm like, oh, my God. She's like. I appreciate it. Whatever. She's like, like, don't tell anybody I called you. Like, he'll be so mad. And I was like, he's not going to like, he's not going to be mad. Her current boyfriend. Right. And it was almost like a point where she was like going out of her way to make that point. I was like, that's a weird point to be making. I was like, no one's going to be mad. You're fine. Go home. She texts me. She's like, thanks so much. Oh my God. Like, and I have the actual text correspondence, but like, she's like, thanks so much. Oh my God. Like I'm deleting this right now. And I say nothing incriminating. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut to a week or so later, I text, I'm like, hey, you and your boyfriend should come to my show. It's tonight. I've been drinking a little bit, but like, whatever. I was trying to like, a couple of our mutual friends were coming. I was like, you guys should come. It'll be fun. And it turns green. Oh, boy. And I'm like, huh. I go to look to see if her Instagram's there, and it's not. And I'm like, huh. So I check from another one of my accounts. Also not there. I was like, oh, maybe she just deleted her Instagram. But then I'm like, hmm. I check on a third account, and she is still there. And I message her. I'm like, did you block me? And she goes, absolutely, stay away from me. Oh, oh no. To which I respond with a bunch of ha's. And then I make sure that I screenshot it because I realized what just happened. She used me to try to get leverage in her relationship or something. And was like, Julio, I can call him. He listens to me. Something along those lines where her boyfriend was like, you're not allowed to speak to him. And or she spun it where like, he calls me. You know what I mean? And completely like, mm. and I just felt so fucking stupid. And I felt bad for like my current girlfriend who's such a wonderful person and like doesn't deserve to have that like energy coming her way or have people thinking that like I'm calling my ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. when she is just like, you know what I mean? Like what a horrible, stupid situation. And I really regret having done that. Well, there was no way for you to have known that you were being trapped, right? Maybe, but like she's made crazy, she's done crazy shit in the past to me. Where I should maybe have known better. You should just have not cut her engage. out of your life. Not cut out necessarily on like, but maybe just to not answer her phone calls or not talk to her, or maybe she's lost privileges with me, which she now definitely has. Well, that to me is cutting somebody out, right? Yeah, I guess if, you're right. If you if you don't let them, if you don't pick up their calls, maybe not blocking their numbers so much, but if you are not responsive or available at all to them, then you've cut them out of your life. True. And to um, me, this is the cardinal sin because if you're in a relationship and you do shitty things to to people. You're at least you're in a relationship and relationships make people insane. But this situation, this is like post relationship. And now you're just like fully fucking me over in some way. Damn, bro. Well, it doesn't sound like her current relationship is very healthy either. 
Which begs the question, is this girl capable of having a good relationship? My thought is no. It sounds like she's a nightmare. I don't think she should be living above earth with us. <laughs> like she should be underground somewhere, you know, quarantined. I like that. Yeah, like probably in a room like this, except without the cactus. No cactus. You know, tie her arms tied in the front. That would bug me so much. Having your straitjacket where your arms are like this. I think about that. Because think about it, right? This is this position is the most negative energy position. If I have people at a comedy show and they have their arms crossed in front of them, they're not going to laugh. They're closing themselves. Right. Right? They're saying, I'm not here to have fun. I'm cold. And I don't want to hear any thoughts that are going to amuse me. <laughs> and that's what your girlfriend is. Ex-girlfriend. Yeah. In a, yeah. Did you tell your girlfriend the story? Yeah. And she was really, she was like mad. At, she was mad about it. She's like, you should know better. She's like, you know that mm. like she, you know, whatever, whatever. And she's like, I don't know why you make this emphasis to try to be friends with people you used to date. Which granted, she gets it with my other, I'm, I'm cool with a bunch of girls I used to date. And I didn't have tons of them. There's like a couple of girlfriends in the past were cool. And they haven't been an issue. And she hasn't been an, the current ex that we're talking about hasn't been an issue either until this kind of situation. You said she did some things that were crazy though. Yeah. While we were dating, oh, she did some crazy shit. But then you guys were good for a while. Then we broke up, and it was fine. It was over. And then now I'm like, it's forgiven. We can be cool. Did you Did you guys, was it a very difficult breakup? Sort of, but it's funny. Actually, the reason why we broke up was the guy she's dating now, she was like sending him like stuff that was inappropriate to be sending. Nudes? I don't know specifically, but there's some stuff going on in there. How did you find out about that? Listen to this. I'm shooting a, a pilot uh, that was a big th deal for me. It was like I was starring in it, you know, whatever. It was like this MTV thing. It was really fun. Me and my boy, it was like this game that we would like play games of chance and the person who lost would have to do really shitty stuff. It was mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Day two, one of my best friends calls me and tells me the story. And like that earlier that morning, I had been like walking around set being like my girlfriend, like, oh yeah, my girlfriend's great. Like, oh my God, my girlfriend. You know what I mean? Just being like a fucking chump if I'm later getting that news, dude. Yeah. And I have a 20 minute conversation about it. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be that guy who walks into a party and everybody knows that his girlfriend's the one. And like I had walked down the street to do it. One of the producers finally finds me. He's like, dude, your mic's on. 35 people heard every word unbelievably humiliating so yeah dude it's like a shame on you shame on me situation however that saying goes it's like i should maybe have known better mm -hmm. not to just like get involved like I, whatever's going on with her relationship i don't care i have nothing against this guy he's a nice enough guy um even if she was sending pictures to him and stuff it has nothing to do with him right you know so uh you know you just gotta like not be a fucking moron i think at this point like this mistake is on me huh that's tough it's tough when you're when your intentions are good to try to help people and then you get fucked for it. Right. You know, it, it seems could, so unjust. Well, then it just also makes you feel like it, it's safer to be a dick your whole life. You know, when you get fucked for being a decent human being over and over and that does happen. People right. take advantage of people who are nice. Like your ex-girlfriend took advantage of you. Right. In the situation because she knew that you would pick up and be comforting and be and all kind that. to her and kind I was kind and then you got screwed for it got burned and now you the next time someone calls you and is crying in their car you're gonna say cry harder and start driving erratically <laughs> let's hope not let's because hope then they'll the then they'll they'll you know drive off the road and right. be removed as not a problem her call. Yeah. yeah 
<laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Um, I was watching, uh, I was watching, speaking of mistakes, I was watching, um, do you watch the show Last Chance to You? No. It's pretty good. It's about football. Okay. Do you know about it on no, Netflix? No. They've done four seasons. It's always about uh, some community college or junior college rather in like Kansas or Missouri or Mississippi. And the the standard of football is superb. Uh, the players are unbelievable. A lot of them are guys that went to top tier D1 programs and then either failed their classes in their first semester or year and had to come to junior college wow. to regain their eligibility or something happened where they got kicked out and now they're trying to rehabilitate to get back to the D1 level. So there are a lot of really top tier players. Right. The problem is everybody has the worst attitude in the fucking country. Even once they're back in JUCO? Oh, especially there. Because none of them want to be there. Right. And they're only there for like a year to right. try to get a scholarship and then go back. And I mean, it's all kids from, you know, the, the Mississippi Delta, very impoverished families, uh, the, the education level. N none of them want to be going to school. None of them care about class. It's a huge issue of can they remain academically eligible right. for the season. And uh, the coaches are the ones who are like the head coaches in the first two seasons. The head coach was like this crazy fat asshole. And then the next year, year they went to a different school in Kansas called Independence. And this was a new coach at a different school who was even crazier. But like, I think he's a better coach than the first guy was. But he's like, he says the most horrific shit to his players. Oh my God. And people almost come to blows with him. Like players almost fight him. <laughs> And it's nuts. Like he cuts players on a whim, just in the middle of practice, uh, all this stuff. And I was watching the season finale last night. And I don't know how I missed this story because it happened in February of this year. Mm -hmm. But um, in the season finale, he gets fired from the school or is forced to resign. Because there was a walk-on player from Germany, like an exchange student, who like came to the school and like walked onto the team, but he was kind of in more of a, a a team manager type role, and he was this German kid, who I guess he gets in trouble for like smoking pot or something like that or skipping class, and the coach sends him a text message, <laughs> and he's like. You've got to come down to, you know, hand me your stuff. You've you've reached your allotment of points, like negative points. Right. Um, and, you know, you're, you German fuck. I'm your new Hitler. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They sent this in a text message. That's an insane blunder. And the coach and the kid, the kid, like, sent it to the committee at the school <laughs> and this whole thing like blew up as a news story and the, the reason i don't think i heard about it was because you know the season of last chance you didn't get released until a couple weeks ago so we're behind in in the programming of the show to the real life events but it was published in you know new york post wow. and all this stuff and he sent this to this little like impish german guy 
who clearly isn't a football player. <laughs> was he like the kicker? Or something? He was like oh, he was like holding the the tackling dummy as people ran into it, <laughs> like with no pads on. And the guy, the coach, told him, "I'm your new Hitler." That's a mistake. That's a mistake. That's a major oops. It's funny to call that a mistake, even. Yeah, it is a mistake, but like. Well, don't say that to people either. That's the <laughs> thing, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't, obviously you don't say it, but, but the players were making the point in the episode. They were like, coach Brown has said way worse shit than this. <laughs> the reason he got in so much trouble was because it was in a text message. Right. Document. right? And it's like, that is a great example of how the public treats uh things that are said or written right i wrote this blog right and i got killed for it but if i go on stage and i tell jokes about mackenzie lewick and people see the smile on my face and they hear the self-deprecating tone in my voice it's far easier to not get mad at somebody when you so can true. see where their words and their intentions are coming from and the tone. It's a great point. And you know that they're kidding, right? Whereas like anybody can read a blog or a text message in the most evil voice. Imagine like Scar from right. The Lion King narrating your text messages. Totally. You're, you're like, this guy's the worst person on earth. Uh, so the written word can be far more condemning than the spoken word right. which can be far more condemning than i don't even know that's a great every word. avenue of entertainment is different so true because yeah you can truly like place what whatever intention you want on something's written right you can make it what you want it to be jim jeffries in i think one of his more recent specials talks about this how there was a news outlet in australia i think that took that that literally uh wrote down his act Wow. And then just took huge paragraph chunks of it and then said, see how offensive this is? And Jim Jeffrey, Jim Jeffries goes, I don't know if you guys have ever read my act. Not a great read. <laughs> and it's such a great point. Yeah. You know, it's like stand-up comedy is not meant to be a scripted play. Right. It should be transcribed. Yeah. Even movie scripts, if you read them and then you see the actual movie where the actors have take given their their take on the words right. and their the director is saying try it more like this totally you know it's it, it takes on a totally different life of its own so the written word yeah really does uh it can get you in a lot more trouble because people read it without context totally like even in theater school like they have an entire course dedicated to interpreting the script there you go you know what i mean so mm -hmm. there you go yeah well uh fascinating fascinating stuff this is um should we wrap it? Yeah, guys, yeah. if you have any shit that's going on in your lives, if you fucked up and you want to like ask what you should do moving forward, or if you want to just share a good story with us, like you can email us oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your stories. We're definitely going to talk about a couple of the better ones uh, every week if we get some yeah. good stuff. We want to hear about any times that you may have gotten fired and whether or not we think it's just. Uh, if you've been canceled from the public eye, uh, if you got caught cheating on your wife and what the circumstances were or your husband. And we will determine the sentence that we think fits the crime. Right. And it's not going to be what you would typically hear from a newspaper or let's say even a court of law. Let's say even a court we'll of law. We'll be more like fair. That. 
We'll be more fair. Yes, I like to think um, so. Like, subscribe, uh, share our podcast. We're trying to blow up. All the help we can get would be much appreciated. Thank you, guys.